Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. 80% of entrepreneurs, business owners think that they are delivering an outstanding customer experience, while only 8% of their customers agree. Today on episode 491 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with customer experience strategist, Jill Raff. I'm going to ask Jill how you can create long-term customer value that results in years of profitability and much more. Find out more about Jill along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Now, before we jump into this incredibly important topic with Jill, I want to talk to you about repeating patterns and how much they are costing you. You know those patterns. They are the ones that constantly put you back in debt and have you pick the wrong kind of relationships. They are the ones that keep you stuck. Even after all the positive thinking, you may not have put a stop to your repeating patterns. I bet you sometimes feel defeated, lost, and out of control. The fact is the patterns are repeating because you don't really know what's causing them. Therefore, you don't know how to stop them. You're stuck in a cycle. The Live at Choice system will help you get to the cause, break that pattern, and finally, you will have the successes you are after, the relationships you want, financial freedom, and finally, smash the plateau. The Live at Choice team has created a training for you on why positive thinking has failed you, and you will learn what you can do to put an end to your repeating patterns. You can access this free training at liveatchoice.com slash positive thinking. That's liveatchoice.com slash positive thinking. Now let's welcome Jill Raff. With over 25 years of customer experience, Jill grew up working with her parents, owner-operators of McDonald's number 150. She now applies Ray Kroc's customer philosophy that permeates over 37,800 stores. Jill followed her dream to be a fashion designer working in New York, Italy, and Hong Kong. She's fluent in five languages, trained as a chef at Le Cordon Bleu in Paris, became a top food stylist, and worked with brands like Harrods, Michelin-starred Ristorante Guido, Godiva, Food & Wine, Oprah Magazine, Good Morning America, and The Today Show. Jill has closed over $22 million in real estate sales licensed in New York and Texas. Jill uses her background as a high-level consultant for companies who want to create a five-star customer experience. Jill, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thank you, David. It's a privilege to be here with you and your listeners. Jill, you have such an incredible variety of experiences. What really stands out in your mind as the core of your top successes? In terms of industry, well, I I think the common denominator, that golden thread throughout actually the multiple industries that I've worked in comes from taking care of my customers, putting my customers' needs and interests first. And to me, that's the bottom line. Right, which really doesn't matter what industry you're in. It's the same mission, the same values that underlie how you work, and it's the same, same principles that guide what you do. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about the customer experience. 
what are some of the things that you've learned along the way that you now apply in everything you do with customers? I think creating that relationship, and I know it's it seems so commonsensical and everyone says it, but truly looking at someone as simple as looking someone in the eye, finding out their name, using their name. There's a wonderful quote that says, you know, a person's name is the most beautiful sound in the language they speak. And I think it's really true. And I really saw that exhibited by my dad. And I learned it firsthand from when I was little. And he was like a magnet. People adored him. He had such charisma. And a lot of it, I think, had to do, besides his great energy, but he really took interest in people. People would always comment how he looked you in the eye and he made you feel like you were the most important and the only person in that room. And he would ask about you and your family by name, even your family by name. And so it showed that he took a personal interest and and he did this with everyone from little kids who would race up to him and hug him and want to play with him to everyone from his maintenance man up to the highest level of management. It didn't matter. And to me, that is so really, that's so important. And that's the core, I think, the core value that will create that experience. And in your own work, since you have been in a number of different industries, you have also worked with people from all over the world. I'm gathering that there are some common threads that you pretty much not only have learned, but that seems like you always apply when you work with companies, when you've been in your own business, and when you work with customers? Yes. And I think it's a lot of that same principle, making it real, being authentic and genuine, showing care and concern and curiosity for them, asking questions, asking questions about them. Something my mom taught me early on as a young child when, believe it or not, I was shy, Uh, really applies to business as well. And that is when you're feeling uncomfortable and you don't know what to say and you feel like it's all about you. In fact, it's not about you at all. Like people are really thinking about themselves. They're not, sadly, in most cases, thinking about the person they're speaking with. And so if you ask questions about them, then it takes the pressure off of you and it makes that person feel really good and engaged. And it's amazing how after you've left that situation, the person's going to think, wow, that was really fun. I really enjoyed talking to that person. And it's because you've spoken to them about their interest. You've asked about them and they're going to feel good because they've been talking about themselves, which sadly, but truthfully is the case. And so being the initiator to ask those questions, to show genuine interest, to serve their needs, It might sound repetitive, but it's a little different in that it's a proactive stance of asking questions. How can you help them? Ask about them. And then you take that information and you use that when it comes to a business environment. Mm. So, Jill, are there some basic steps that you think anyone who wants to improve customer experience should be following? I do. I, because of my background and because of my experience um, across industries and learning how to create a business that would create repeat business, recurring revenue, I created what I call my uh, seven steps to a customer experience transformation. And it's based on those different procedures. And it doesn't matter, it can really apply across the board. And the first one is creating those core values. And the core value that actually will 
highlight within your company that this is a driving value that we appreciate our people. We put people first and it's not only your end customer, it's your employees, it's your vendors, it's anyone who touches your business. So once you establish that and you get real clear on those values, you make sure that everything you do going forward reflects back and is in alignment with those core values. And that has to do with the other steps, which is your hiring. I call asset aligned hiring. You're hiring people who are aligned with those values and and actually have a bigger purpose of being there. And they're going to join you in your mission. And then making sure you know, strategic asset review, I call is we're going in, gaining genuine insight, you know, putting all ego aside and establishing a map to what's happening. What's the true perception in your business, not to what the owner thinks it is, but what is everybody along the way so that you can make those corrections. And of course, you're onboarding your education, your evaluation and the all important call to action and fortune follow through. Yeah. So are those uh, multiple steps or are they one step? Yes. No, each one is its own step. And then I dive deeply into that, looking at each business's unique situation, what opportunities, whatever they're doing at that point in time, if they're scaling, if they're just starting, regardless of where they are, these are kind of the, the core pieces, the roadmap, if you will, of my transformation process that is necessary for any business to really thrive. Do you have an example or a story you can share of how how someone has gone through some of these steps? Yeah. So, gosh, let's see. Looking at core values. Well, of course, that's just really looking to see if you've established if you've established it and are you using it later on throughout your your business. But I would say let's choose training. Everyone talks about training. To me, I think it's more of education. And so when I work with people, I look at how have you, you know, it all ties in. So going back to the previous step of hiring. So first, before you're working with with training and educating your people, have you hired the right people for your business? And so we look at their personalities, their motivation, what they like to do. Are you using them in the task that best suits their personality and their skills and what they're excited about, because if they are, then they're going to perform best for you. And so I've always found that, you know, when hiring people who are not in alignment with that, or you misplace them maybe in the job task that you need, you're going to find negative results. And the highest productivity is going to come for when hiring those best people and placing them in the best job. And so, and keeping it front of mind. So on, you know, doing continuous training, uh, routine trainings for, you know, figuring out what's, it's different for every company, what the time frame might be. And so I find that when I've worked with people and whenever I've hired people who sometimes I think, I just need someone to get this done. I'm so overwhelmed. There's so much to do. I'm just going to bring someone in. Or if, if I, you know, advise someone else to do that, it's always will bite you because they may, they're not in alignment. They're not, they don't have the right attitude. You don't have the right enough time to really train them and educate them of your expectations. They haven't agreed to those expectations. So it's hard to hold them accountable. So I think certainly the educational piece tied with the, the first step of who you hire is something that I've experienced that's really important to follow the, the procedure on that. Right. So I know as, as an example, as I mentioned in the introduction, you worked as a fashion designer. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So somebody who might be in the fashion design business, if um, suddenly they're getting a lot of new business, they may need to may need to hire one or more new designers to the team. And what I've seen very often is managers wait till the very last minute to try to hire somebody. Yes. Because they, they don't realize as they're getting overwhelmed and they're having difficulty meeting deadlines they may wait until it's too late and then they have a very short window to actually make the hire. So they may end up hiring a fashion designer who either doesn't have sufficient experience, technical experience, or who may have worked with very different kinds of companies that might have values that are quite different than the company that's making the hire. Have you seen things like that happen? A hundred percent. And what always ends up happening is, you know, you, you bring people in at the last minute, as you say, because you're usually like, oh, I just can't deal. I'll do it myself or I'll, I'll use the people that I have. And then once you realize I, there's no way I'm going to make my deadlines. And in fashion, especially, it's really difficult because there's never a low period. And you know, a lot of industries you have your season, you have your projects, you're what, and you're done and you have, a, you know, you go to the next one with fashion, every season overlaps the, uh, the next. So when we're showing one collection to be sold to the stores, and then you're going to start production, which is a whole separate detailed piece, you're already having to develop concepts and ideas and yarns and threads and fabrics with your next season. So they, there's always this merging of the two. And so you don't have time to wait around to specifically say, okay, now it's time for me to really look through applicants and figure out what I want. And most people don't have systems, especially in fashion. Um, and systems are really important because if you've done it once, you should write it down so you don't have to replicate information. You use that as your guide and then bring people in. And so I have found that when you bring people in the last minute, they're not going to be in alignment with your brand. In most cases, it'd be rare if they did. You'd hit the lottery. but And they're not going to be trained the way you want. They might not have the experience level to just hit the ground running. And even if they are trained, you still want them to, to be working in the way that you do your business. And so there's there's some time there that's needed to really groom that person and make sure they're right. So, right, you you don't ever want to wait to the last minute because it definitely bites you. And then you're you end up chasing doing more of the work yourself and you have to start over when then you know you're hiring the next people. Now, does this the principle of thinking through what you're gonna need for each of these seven steps, is that principle apply to thinking long-term and really planning ahead and taking time to actually carry out each of the steps properly? That's an excellent question because I think so many people don't do that. They have a great idea if they want to start a new business and they just jump in. And I would imagine many businesses, especially solopreneurs, probably don't even have their core values and mission statement established. And if they do, it was kind of like, oh, it was a fun little exercise. And then they forget about it when they go on to build the rest of their business. And so this actually is the framework that will give you longevity that you will apply consistently for the lifetime of your business. And if you do this initially, you have so many benefits and rewards from doing that because 
you won't have to always recreate the system. The framework is there. And then you go back to whatever piece. So say you're you're already established and you've applied these concepts, these principles that I've are in my process. And then maybe you lose people. Retention is a big problem across many industries. So then you go back to point number two and you say, okay, how do we make sure we find people that are aligned with, with who we are? And you, and you start again, but you're, you've already done it. You've got your systems, your, your principles established, and then you just reapply it. It's kind of wash and rinse. So let's talk about how how they get applied and, and maybe let's talk about how they get applied in a business like yours. So if you could just really quickly repeat the seven steps and then let's talk about how you're using them in your business to work with your clients. Sure. So it's uh, the first one is your critical, your core values, core values and mission statement. And so, you know, for me, it's establishing my goal is to connect more people human to human and as a result realizing that your business will grow through human connection through transforming transactions into interactions so i apply that because that's that's what i live i'm totally obsessed with customer experience and so every business that i work with i make sure that the company is in alignment with my values. So it's the same thing. I'm applying it outward. Mm-hmm. And um, if someone's not in alignment, then then I'm not going to be able to help them very well. They're not going to be the right client for me. And so I have to say, you know, I can send, give you a referral to someone else because I always want to serve. We might not be a good match for each other, but I'd be happy to try to introduce you to someone who could. And I think that's really important for every business to do. So that's that's number one that that I do and that I really encourage other businesses to do. And so I work with them to go through and help them really define and get clarity around the that core value. Number two is is the hiring, asset aligned hiring. So I work with bench members because I am also at this point a solopreneur, but I have, of course, lots of other support. So anyone who touches my business, who would touch any part of my clients, I'm going to make sure that they are in alignment, one, with my core values, and two, I'm looking at what are their their skills, business skills, what are their personal skills, and what are they looking for? Where can they best serve me? How do they complement my skills and my personality type. There's personality assessments that can be used specifically to also help highlight that's one piece of of, um, the offering of what I do when it comes to that. And so it also has to do with the um, really making sure that they're there for the right purpose. And of course, this is at a high level, Mm -hmm. right? So there's much more involved. And so the third one is the strategic asset review. And, And it's a little bit piece of it would be like the mystery shopping going in and looking at how a business works and runs, but then also doing interviews because this is the one stat that just drives me and it drives me crazy. Forbes did a study that shows 80% of entrepreneurs, business owners think that they are delivering an outstanding customer experience while only 8% of their customers agree. That is just a massive delivery gap. And that's something that has to be solved, has to be bridged immediately for any business to thrive. 
And so I go in and I do interviews, very detailed interviews with everyone from the top, the stakeholders, the owners, the management, employees, even customers, you know, maintenance people, dishwashers, depending upon what your business is, every part. So you get a, an, an assessment and an understanding of what the true perception is of your people, not what you perceive it to be, but what's really going on. So there's no ego involved and it just gives you the facts. And so from that, you're able to close that delivery gap and gain that genuine insight and to help really create the energy and the resources that you really need in your company. The next one is onboarding and ongoing training. So how you bring them in. I had a really interesting experience, David, in Harrods. Uh, I worked in their pastry kitchen, Harrods of London. And I was so fascinated, you know, growing up in McDonald's and being aware of, you know, the process. I had never seen anyone where they, they, it was really detailed. There was a workbook and there was uh, videos. And, and then later on, interestingly, just recently, I'm reaching back and interviewing uh, people who had worked for my parents in McDonald's and I've kept in touch and I found them through Facebook and they said to me, oh yeah, your dad used to give us homework and we'd watch videos and we'd come back and we'd have to talk about it. And he would, you know, um, rate our homework. And I was like, I had no idea. And here I experienced that at Harrods and I thought it was really brilliant. And so these are some of the tools and techniques that I also now utilize because I think it's really important. It makes it more personal. It makes it real. And then once you bring them on board, you have to get agreement. You have to get somewhat, get them to sign and acknowledge that they are on board with what your philosophy is. And after you do that, of course, it's important that you have ongoing training because it's not a you know a boot camp and then you forget about it. It has to stay front of mind. So some sort of regular, whether it's every quarter, every couple months, some sort of regular ongoing training. Right. And I think it's interesting that you, that not only are you talking about providing the training, but also getting feedback from those being trained to see how well it's going. So important. And that it be anonymous. So I think if you want something genuine from someone, a response and, and feeling, most people don't want controversy. They don't want the conflict. And so I think it has to be anonymous. And I, you know, a lot of different programs or coaching or consulting and other things where I have actually been on the other side and participated. And then I get these surveys and they ask me to put my name and my contact information. I think that's a big mistake because if you really want to know what people have to say and how they feel, I think it's important to either have an outside source, help gain gain that information and give it back and analyze it, but that it be anonymous because people aren't going to tell you the truth in most cases, I think, unless it's some sort of an anonymous uh, interview or survey. Right. Okay. And what's the next step after onboarding? So um, with onboarding, is, is a, a part of that actually is the evaluation and implementation, because like you just said, like we, it's hard to know whether or not these things are actually being implemented. So after we bring people on and we do the training at some point, you have to evaluate is what you've hoped to see through your onboarding and your education working or not. And if it isn't, then, you know, make those tweaks and then re-implement to see what's going on. And then most importantly, after that is something that you don't see in a lot of industries that I've <laughs> used very much and is very much uh, emphasized in the real estate business as well and coaching as well is 
compelling call to action, a call to action. People want to know what it is you want from them. And I find that when you let people know what that is, in most cases, people really want to perform for you. They want to make you happy and proud of who they are as an employee. And so, but they, you need to let them know what it is. And so it's a way to really connect your customers to the organization. It motivates them to take action. And of course, that's going to increase your revenue, your ratings, and your repeat customers. And I think that's really important because it creates that reciprocal relationship and it will seal, uh, seal the rapport really between the staff and the customers. And so creating that call to action is really important, letting people know what action you want from them next. And then lastly, David, is the all-important, what I call fortune follow-through. And that's going to provide the organization with the metrics and the data, really from which they know how to create that next endeavor, that next project, whatever it is, so that there's, you know, increases their sales and keeps them on track. They can start to uh, determine what to expect going forward based on follow-through and the response that they get. It's very important. Otherwise, people are going to forget who you are. Most people interesting in real estate, for example, most people don't use the same uh, real estate agent that they used before. Why? The number one reason is there's the lack of connection. The real estate agent does not continue their relationship and does not keep in touch. So that follow through is, is really where the fortune is. So Jill, as you've applied these principles for your own business, how have you found that it translates into consistent, stable revenue? So for me, it's um, been working as what I call a referral business. Well, I'm in real estate, for example, I'm a work by referral agent. And I think that when you have people who you've created that relationship with, who you've proven and shown them that you have only their best interest at heart. Whoever you bring on to represent you is going to work for you and represent you in the same way, for example, with, with hiring. It's those things that make the difference. And as a result of that, actually, is the reason why I've had repeat business. So like in my food styling, you know, once I've worked with a, a photographer or a cookbook author or a TV producer, they'd hire me over and over. I would have repeat business from that and developed a strong six-figure business because I would go and I'd follow my concepts and do all of the things that we just discussed. And I would make sure that they were taken care of. Same thing in my real estate. So we don't see as such rapid results in real estate, but you rely on referrals. And I was, it became a, an agent by referral after, of course, you, you have to establish those relationships in the beginning, which takes a lot of time and development and nurturing. But once you do that, you've proven and people are going to know that you're genuine and you're authentic and they're going to come back and they're going to be your marketing sales force. They're going to be out there talking about you. Mm. So Jill, now in your customer experience work, whom do you find that you're most compelled to serve and that, that the messages that you transmit in these seven steps connects really well with them? I find that it's, um, as we kind of talked about before, it, it doesn't really matter. It's not specifically industry or segment of the market that's my niche or the best people that I can serve and that I enjoy working with. To me, it's about the mindset. And I am best working with heart-centered businesses, people who genuinely have created a business because not only do they have a product or service they are passionate about and just want to get out to the world, 
because then it's about them. While that's very important, there's a, a small distinction, but an important one that they have to want to be putting it out to the world because they're passionate about it. They love it. They're excited about it. But because it serves a need in the community, it deserves a need in the world. And when that passion and need align, that's when they can have a successful business and it comes from the heart. Those are the people that I can really help take it to the next level and break through any challenges and bottlenecks they have. And Jill, how long does it typically take for a client of yours to start to experience a meaningful transformation? I would say minimum of about six months, only because in most cases, businesses are already established. So we need time to go in and really learn with the first steps of my process that I mentioned. We need to learn what is happening currently in their business. How are their systems created? If they don't have systems, that's something to note to create the systems. And so doing that evaluation piece and the assessment of who's in their business, how are they affecting their business? And so once we do that, then we can start to look at strategies of how to know now go in and make tweaks and changes or how to apply something that maybe doesn't even exist in their business. So I would say at least six months so that we have uh, the right amount of time in phase one to really understand their business well. I want to understand what you do in order to really be able to brainstorm and co-create with you the best solution for your specific business. Right. So what we're talking about is a pretty fundamental shift that's going to take time to learn how to implement and then to implement and probably pivot along the way. Yes. And it's not to say that you won't see any results, you know, until six months, you will see certainly changes if you're committed to making those changes and staying customer centric, customer focused, putting people first, your employees even will feel it right away. And once your employees feel it, your customers are going to feel it. So you'll definitely be able to notice and see changes along the way, but to really create a long lasting result, it's going to take a little more time if assuming you're already well established in your business. Right. So Jill, for, for someone who wants to learn more about your system and learn more about you, how would they do that? Uh, thank you. Yeah, I welcome speaking to anyone, having a conversation, how I can help you. And you can find me at my website, which is my name. It's www.jillraff.com. And my last name is R like Robert, A double F like French fry. So it's jillraff.com. And is there a, a free gift that may help people learn a little bit more about this particular system? There is, and I'm thrilled to offer everyone my my customer experience checklist. Customer experience acronym is CX. So you'll find that um, at www.jillraff.com forward slash CX checklist. So that's my website, jillraff.com slash CX checklist. And there are lots of other gifts that will come along with that in the process. Right. So so people can uh, start to learn about the process and begin to think about how it might apply to their own situation, their own company. Absolutely. And I'm happy to have a conversation with someone to help them determine what might be the best way to apply it. Yeah. As I said, we're talking about some pretty fundamental shifts and particularly for business owners that want to make a long lasting impact on everyone they serve. 
Um, these kinds of shifts generally are not so quick, but if you do them thoughtfully and you do them, you do them the right way, they can have impact that will last for years. Absolutely. And that your repeat customer business, your lifetime value in your customer, that's where your business is going to thrive. That's how you can scale. Well, Jill, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. It's been a great discussion about everything that you have put together based on your own experiences and skills into a really, um, really useful system that I think can apply to many different kinds of businesses. My guest today has been customer experience strategist and, and founder of the company, Jill Raff. Thank you again, Jill, for joining us. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how you can create long-term customer value that results in years of profitability and how Jill is building her own business using the principles she teaches her clients. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.